Blog Talk Radio. Priorities. My name is Tuaka Kelly, and today I'm pleased to speak to a man who has devoted, consciously devoted, many years of his life to his appreciation of Mother Earth, his appreciation of healing, and all of his studies has culminated into what he now has founded as the Paso Food Co-op in Paso Robles, California. Please welcome with me Montgomery Norton. Hello, Montgomery. Good morning. It is morning for you there, and I am curious as to how you are prevailing and thriving with all of your projects that I've been privy to, but um, let's start off with what you're doing now with the co-op and why it's important to have one and what actually takes place there? Those are three big questions. Um, So food co-ops have been around for over 100 years and um, what they are is a business that is designed and created to serve its members and uh, with regard to a food co-op usually a community comes together to create a business to uh, create access to local food and natural and healthy foods. So food co-ops were very popular in the 60s, 70s, and and then there was a big lull between the uh, mid-80s and the 2000s, and that was because of the rise of the corporate natural foods industry. Um, But now that we're back in a situation um, with uh, economic challenges and food challenges, since the mid-2000s, hundreds of new co-ops are coming online. Would you say that that has become a a, a Band-Aid because of economic challenges or just a reminder of what has worked in the past? Is there some other other benefit to that? Well, there... So they... Co-ops and other organizations like Granges and um, other agricultural um, organizations usually kind of rise and fall with economic conditions, um, but they also pertain to, you know, the uh, the issues with regard to our food system. So since World War II and the um, kind of post-military industrial food system that's been on the rise uh, over all these decades, um, people are starting to understand that local access to local healthy food is very important. And the convenience kind of food industry isn't very healthy. What brought you into championing this this cause? Uh, particularly, it, it's it's no small undertaking to to begin a, a co-op. Um, you want the short answer or the long answer? <laughs> <laughs> what whatever feels reflects your experience and and your truth. Um, so the medium answer is that. <clears throat> I've <been> a, <laughs> um, I've been 
interested in food my whole life and um, worked on different aspects of food and sustainability for years. Um, was one of the chefs at Esalen Institute where we met and, uh, you know, got my degree in, in urban planning and sustainability and that gave me a very systems thinking perspective of communities, what works and what doesn't work in communities. And so ever since then, I've been involved in looking at the food system with regard to communities. Um, so I worked on food systems in Orange County, in, in Napa, and now here in the Central Coast. And when I arrived here, um, when I had been visiting the Central Coast for many years, but when I actually moved here, I realized that I'm sitting in the center of absolute diversity and abundance of, of local food. And it was very difficult to get access to it. So then I employed my kind of academic business experience and really wanted to create a business system um, that's based on the principles of abundance. And what I discovered, which was really surprising to me that I had never discovered this before, is cooperative business. Explain that. And also, I'm, I'm curious, when you talk about access, that brings up the question on how um, how open or how interested um, local farmers, whether they were leaning toward corporate or independent or farmers market, how local local farmers responded to your movement as well. That's touched. What was the first question? That's how. Um, well, just going with that one, what comes up to, to ask is your, your, your getting there and wanting to access different foods. You know, I see you going out and making conversations with people, and I wonder how open they were to collaborating with you, what, what that process was like. And I, and I asked to understand your own process in this and also to give insight to other people in how they may approach others to begin co-ops in their area. So, uh, so I'll, I'll kind of go big picture and then backtrack. Um, what I would love to do after uh, I get this, the Paso Food Co-op and this project successfully established is to work on seeding co-ops in other communities. Okay. Because in order to catalyze a co-op or to start one, it's very simple. Very easy process. All you really need to do is bring together community stakeholders. Have a conversation about the topic of supply and demand, what's produced in the area, what access we have to it. If you see a gap there, which you obviously do if you brought those people together, um, then you have a conversation educating your community about what a co-op is and the process of development has been worked through so many times that you don't have to recreate the wheel. So that's basically what we did. We found the co-op model, reached out to support organizations like Food Co-op Initiative, which is a national food co-op support organization, and they have all these templates 
about how to do the development process. You don't have to recreate anything. Co-ops help each other. That's the sixth principle of cooperative business. All right. And, and receptivity to, to this. If, so if it's what, in the local area, you know, Salinas, uh, San Luis Obispo, and the places I imagine that you're kind of uh, reaching out to, if they've been in a, in a conventional model, you know, how wide did they open up the door when you knocked on it? Well, so that's an interesting question because what we did to start the process is start to build a database of stakeholders in order to invite them to a public meeting. And we had 60 people show up in the room. Uh, it was overflowing with energy and people and there was farmers there and uh, government officials and just moms, dads, and kids, and I mean, it was like everyone. Um, with regard to farmer receptivity, uh, so the farmers that would be interested in a co-op are the same farmers that would sell at a farmer's market. So typically those are medium to small scale farms, um, and they're typically more interested in organic or sustainable. Um, the large corporate farms are distributing all their food around the world. So for them, selling at a local co-op isn't necessarily on their radar. But those are generalities. Yeah, well, in, important ones, because it can be you know, daunting and intimidating. And I know you have great experience in this area. And part of your bigger picture is to um, plant seeds literally and figuratively for a larger, larger co-ops. So you're also in the role here, you know, as, as a leader of, you know, of many institutions under this umbrella insofar as, you know, I see it as I'm feeling it. So do you uh, yeah. re resonate with that? You know, you're, you're in a position now to, to support others to get started under, underway. If folks wanted to contact you, in terms of mentorship and guiding or kind of joining uh, forces on a national front, how would they find you? So to contact me directly, um, you can email me at pasofoodcooperative at gmail.com. Mm. Our website is www.pasofoodcooperative.com. And with regard to plugging into food co-ops nationally, I would look into Food Co-op Initiative and then there's also regional support organizations. Like here in California, we have the California Center for Cooperative Development. Those two organizations in particular have been super supportive. What are some of the other benefits um, other than the ones that you mentioned? I mean, you know, access to organic food that you, you, can, that you can think of. So, uh, like I mentioned, the, the cooperative business model is like, a system of abundance and rather than a nonprofit that relies on donations and and help from other businesses a co-op is a for-profit business mm -hmm. it has certain tax exempt um, aspects to it which make it nice because you get to keep the money in the community so as I see it it's a community investment model versus a community extraction model okay so a co-op allows the money to stay in the community, it supports the farmers, it supports the community, and it supports the whole like food system. 
the co-op usually reaches out and looks at other aspects of the food system that may or may not be working and try to support those. As opposed to like a big box store, whether that be like a Walmart or Target or a Whole Foods, all the money that's being made there, and of course they're looking at profit over everything else, is all going to their corporate shareholders who obviously don't live in the community, aren't concerned with community issues. So it's a community extraction model versus a community investment model. So each participant or member, since it's member member based, is um, is nourishing the the community itself by by their activities, and and you also have events as well as a membership, and um, you know I imagine getting uh, deliveries to to the home or showing up to events, and what other ways that you uh, you celebrate the membership of your co-op? So what's great is that the members are the owners, right? Yeah. And so they they make an equity investment in the business. So literally you have hundreds or even thousands of uh, of members in the community that are invested in this business and they own and control it. They make the decisions about the board of directors and the direction and that. Um, so it's this, this level of inclusion and buy-in, like ownership. Like the community owns this business and then that business functions to support the farms and to support healthy food. But there's all kinds of events and and uh, programs that you can develop around that. You can show film, film, uh, food movies. Uh, you can do events with music. You can do educational events, cooking demonstrations, preserving, canning, all these types of things. Yeah. You know what um, I'm reflecting on now is I shop at uh, at um, farmers markets. You know what what we call farmers markets in the U.S. has a different name here, but the <laughs> what's comparable to a farmers market, and I'm on a first name basis with um, you know the, the man I buy buy my produce from, and we have a garden here, and so I I, I harvest from both places, and regardless of where I get food, either at home or when I'm traveling, I experience gratitude in my own body for the food that's here. I consider all of the processes that took place for it to get to me. And and it's it's a ritual for me. I experience gratitude and I and I bring this in and I consider that that life cycle. I'm thinking about people who make a a shift in consciousness that comes with a shift in their practice of becoming a member in the co-op and developing a more intimate relationship with their food and with their body as well as the community and what what can and does take place in that. And I wonder how uh, your own process, if there has been a, a discovery, another appreciation of gratitude that's um, enriched or developed for you personally in this, and maybe some that you've observed in, in other people surrounding you. Welcome. Every time we talk, there's like a hundred thoughts. <laughs> um, and we've had conversations for, what, 17 years now? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's been a while, so <laughs> um, this is wonderfully intense, and I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I was when you were talking about the ritual of food. I was t I was thinking about 
the sacredness of food. Yeah. And for every culture in the world, food is the basis of culture because it's it's the experience, it's the ritual that brings people together. There's certain spiritual rituals that do that as well, um, but those may be reserved for indigenous cultures at this time. But every culture in the world, I don't care how spiritual or, or connected you are, gathers around food. And so that ritual forms the basic fundamentals of our culture, and then it becomes a question of how are you designing that ritual. And a co-op is a place where, when we talk about it in our steering committee, when we ask our steering committee members, you know, what do you see buying at the, what do you want to put in your shopping cart? What do you see buying at the co-op? And it was so amazing when we did this the first time. It was like literally more than half of the comments were interaction, talking, conversing, communicating, learning. So it wasn't even food products. It was the experience of communion, um, you know, just the experience of coming together and talking and, and sharing food. I think that answers your question. <laughs> Beautiful. And and really asking the question, what kind of experience do, do you want to have? It really puts things in perspective, opens the mind to essentially the life somebody wants to live. That's that's really what's being asked in that in on other levels. How do you want to live your life? In in community, in nourishment. Mm. To, to, in, to intensity <laughs> and to community. It's always like Bless welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> Blessings. Now, you mentioned Esalen Institute as a place where we met, and I recall the moment well, and I recall the era quite well. <laughs> and I'm also aware that you um, studied uh, numerous healing modalities and you know some of those workshops we took together back in the day and different experiences and that your mom also has a career in studying and practicing various healing modalities and that you pull that you're that you are a walking multicultural being yourself with different streams and cultures running through your own DNA how has your your movement with building community, how has your healing practice informed w what you're doing with the, the co-op? It's interesting because, you know, there, there comes a time where the different aspects of yourself are so integrated that it's hard to recognize them. Yes. <laughs> so I guess I would, I'm experiencing a deep level of culmination. Mm -hmm. uh, because as you know, for a long time, um, you know, the last 10 years were kind of dedicated towards academia and business and organizational development. And so I felt uh, there was a struggle for me through that time to kind of separate um, the more esoteric or healing aspects or spiritual aspects of myself to focus on the mundane. 
and I literally had to because of the the demand of school and and so forth. And so it was a, a challenge of feeling split for many many years. <laughs> but now it's it's kind of like um, you know when you take a break from healing work and you come back to it, it's always there. It's like it never went anywhere. It's always developing. It's always a part of us. The awareness, um, even in the times of great struggle, which <laughs> I've experienced in my life, um, that sense of knowing is always there. So how does it come to inform? <clears throat> um <laughs> That's a hard question. Um, I've just been so in the thick of it for so long, you know, that I I don't have much time to reflect on. I guess I'm just focused on solutions. Mm-hmm. And uh, the driving force inside of me to create positive solutions, to create healing for myself and others, is always there. I always feel it. There's an expression that we have here and in in my work that I call no in between. That there's that there's no separation, that we can identify you know distinct experiences, but they're not separate from what permeates from within. They're not separate from what radiates. That there's no in between. So I, I I see you in in no in between with this process and and living your purpose, which touches upon um, a poignant question in the show. So priorities being the name is how you feel your life and your work that that's moving through you that you're guided to do is a reflection of your soul purpose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Still, my favorite quote is uh, Know Thyself, um, which has been my journey now since I chose uh, consciously to understand who and what I am in the context of who and what we are in the context of the universe. Knowing thyself is not an ego exercise when you, it might be when you embark upon it, but if you stay committed to that journey, it will, it will expand very quickly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, still on the journey, uh, still discovering my purpose while living it, and there's no kind of difference there. It's the same. It's the journey. Beautiful. And being a witness to your journey all of these years, <laughs> I'm, I am proud of you, and I thank you for being here and being on the planet and doing what you're here to do, nourishing the community and helping others to find nourishment and to understand the practice of sustainability in, in their own lives. You mentioned movie nights and events, and I have one to throw you know, throw in the pot, one called dirt, 
I don't know if you've seen it or heard of it, but an, an excellent film, so I'll throw that out there as well. And my gratitude for you coming to the show. I'm happy to receive you. I love you dearly. And once again, please tell people how how they can find you so they can put the shovel in the soil and bless the microbes that feed them. <laughs> our, our tagline is a, a cooperative food market that celebrates community abundance. So we're planting the seeds of community abundance. Um, you can find us at PasoFoodCooperative.com, and you can email me at PasoFoodCooperative at gmail.com. Great. Great to see you, Tawatha. You're Great making me cry you. on camera. It's really perfect. <sighs> Success. Success. I love you. Love you, too. Thank you. Thank you.